Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. How you doing people? What do you think about my deep voice? You usually need to make the voice like this when you're recording late night, especially you don't have to scream as much as I'm doing at the moment. Why late night, you think? Yeah, just because it was a tough day for me and I prefer actually to end up all the episodes today and wrap it today instead of starting doing tomorrow in the morning. I finished everything today, so tomorrow is a new day with a new project and a lot of new things. I'm doing really good. Pretty active day, Monday for me, and I love Mondays. I don't know if I ever told you, but I really, really, really love Mondays, especially when are coming after a week full of satisfaction. Yes, I don't know if you checked on my uh, Instagram account and my social in general, instagram.com slash calamarocc, better. My handle on Instagram is calamarocc, look over there. And you will find actually that last week, the first batch of uh, kits of the Broom Vegan Club, inclusive cycling club, arrived. It's just a beta, it's just the year zero, like we want and we like to call it with Simon and with Pierre. Pierre is the amazing art director artist that makes this thing happen. We actually uh, consider it uh, an year zero, just a few of us as it, just people close to me and everything, but it's already something cool and probably we can make a good project in the future out of it. Just let me know how do you feel they are and what do you think about them. I just want to close a bit, actually to go with a closer eye on why is Inclusive Cycling Club? Yeah, this podcast is exactly built up on inclusion. No matter what's your gender, no matter what's, which one is your um, bicycle skills, no matter what is the color of your skin, no matter which one is the category of cycling you like the most, no matter from where in the world you are, no matter anything really it's all together because for us only on a bike and only by sharing sociality all together we can make this world working a bit better if you are too fast you're gonna wait for me if you are too slow i'm gonna wait for you the important thing is just that we are gonna stay together riding the bike or even just chatting in front of a beer and we are gonna take out a lot of cool stories. That's the inspiration that I would love to give to everybody and that's the main spirit at the moment. Continue checking on the Instagram. As I was saying, CC is the handle, but if you want to have a look, Broomwagen Club is the handle of the Instagram account that we are developing right now. I have to say that at the moment on the Instagram account, you can only see bearded guys. And this was something that Adeline Ikunard on Instagram made me realize by saying, Stefano, but where's the inclusivity you're talking about? At the moment, you can really see there just actually white bearded man, more or less of middle age. You're right, you're right, but I swear that really, really soon, anyways, you know already my statement, you know how much we are about inclusivity, gender equality, and yeah, everything that is behind it, I'm close by that. You know that actually this is the basement, the basics of all my communication usually, but you're completely right at the moment that 
the Instagram communication is a bit flat. Uh, something is gonna come pretty soon, just I can tell you. Be tuned, stay tuned, everybody, and something new is gonna come. But at the moment, I just want to tell you which one is the statement. As I was saying, no matter who you are, no matter how fast you are, no matter which kind of cycling you like, we are here to stay all together and to build up a community based on social interaction and social skills more than anything else. Thanks a lot again for listening to that. Uh, what I want to say, yeah, just want, I think that I want to introduce the episode of today. Probably is the best thing that I can do right now. Um, I got to know Jabig, that is my guest of today, because he came here in Switzerland while he was doing the round the world trip. Uh, I got to know him because we actually ride the same bike. I have an open up, anyway, sturdily black because he's ready to paint. His one is um, an open upper. And he was doing the round the world, as I was saying, and he was here in Switzerland going, as I remember, from, from Bern to Geneva uh, on the bike. And then they organized something like a ride and uh, I found it out, out of the social media. And I was really, really feeling really sad that I could not join them because I was in Australia, remember, at the time. Uh, but then I said, okay, once everything is going to be settled up again, I want to talk with Jabik and have him on this podcast because he can be and he will be an amazing font of inspiration. Time passed. I wanted actually to wait for his trip to start again because at the moment is everything on hold. He's back to Canada where he, can, where, where he lives at the moment. And um, I wanted to start everything again when he was in the moment to start again his trip. Still didn't happen. He's actually planning to go around Canada in summertime. Uh, and uh, as soon as the condition and the planet will allow him to do. And but I want to have him anyways here in this podcast to spread a bit the voice of the amazing things that he do he does on the bike, the amazing things that he does in music, the amazing person that he is, and the amazing message that he spreads. Have a good listen and I will talk to you at the end of the episode. Today is gonna be a podcast about exploration about self-expression as usual about uh, great causes and about music why i say that because the my guest of today is yeah his name is jabig and actually maybe for uh the let's say not the art name but his proper name is janeme birigama I hope that I pronounce your name correctly. And we're going to talk about his travels around Canada, his attempted travel around the world, his project of traveling around the world, everything with the bike and everything with his music. Hi, Jabig. How are you doing? Hi. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, Vigirimana, but it's okay. You know, Vigirimana, that's how it is. It's, it's complicated, but with time, you'll get to know it. So, Bigiri, uh, sorry, Bigirimana, Bigirimana. Bigirimana, yeah, the B is uh, silent and the, uh, the, the G is actually said Gi. Okay, yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, it's the sound is amazing of it. Thanks a lot, actually, for the correction, first of all, but I tend to mess up with accent all the times. So I hope I didn't offend you. Um, no, it's thanks okay. a lot for being here with me today. Where are you at the moment? Uh, right now in Montreal, Canada, mm -hmm. uh, where I'm based. Okay. So I'm actually in my own flat. Perfect. 
Perfect. So yeah, uh, it's nine o'clock in the morning for you, nine thirty almost. And I'm really sorry if I will start asking you questions and having long talks with you early in the morning. But I don't know. For me, it would be an incredible nightmare. I really cannot talk in the morning, even just after three or four coffees. I really hope that for you is a bit more comfortable. I know the trick is to wake up earlier. Okay. And then okay. you know, and then by the time nine o'clock, you know, gets here, I'm already properly awake. So, and that's what I did. Okay, is, are you an early bird usually? What time do you wake up? Do you wake I'm, up? I'm not. A, I'm not usually an early bird. Okay. But you know, I had an appointment with you, so I had to wake up early. Perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thanks a lot. So I talked about your travel with the bikes. I talked a lot. Um, your career as a DJ. Actually, I just mentioned that. But probably you can give us because it's better for you to give us an introduction about yourself instead of myself throwing off stuff that probably half of them are incorrect. Can you give us an introduction about yourself, please? Uh, so I was born in uh, 1979. I was born in Rwanda, and I moved to Kenya in 1989. Okay. And uh, from you know from I mean I didn't move there. It's my parents that moved the family. Mm -hmm. And you know and I started DJing in high school. You know when I was in high school and I started playing at parties. And when I went to university, I decided to stop and become a full time DJ. And in the, in the meantime, I lived in South Africa, and. We moved to Canada eventually in uh, 2002, and from there, you know, I started getting into clubs and DJing, and you know, basically, I did that for I've been doing that for the past 18 years, and professionally, wow. and um, you know, and and the whole cycling came into play uh, because as a DJ, I have a lot of free time during the day. Mm -hmm. So one year, I mean, in 2015, I got myself a bicycle. And I started riding around all summer, and bef before I knew it, you know, I, I used to I used an application called Strava to log how much distance I rode, and one day I realized that I had ridden five thousand kilometers. Wow! And from and from there, I told myself, hmm, that's almost uh, I almost crossed Canada, and that's where the idea came from to cycle across Canada, because it was a stage in my life when I was a little bit, uh, you know, I've. I had enough of DJing in Montreal and DJing in general, and I needed a break because while I spend my time traveling around the world, it's mostly for work and it's never really for my own personal enjoyment. So this time I decided, let me do something for, you know, let me do something for myself. And at the same time, it was an escape because, you know, family pressures, society pressures, you know, some people take around, you know, take a walk around the block. I decided to cycle across Canada. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Everybody of us has his own way to release a bit the stress. And I truly believe that we have something in common. You, me, a lot of people that are listening to us. And this thing in common is that take a bike, go outside and something like shut, uh, shut down your brain on uh, negative thoughts or stressful thoughts and just go on the bike and enjoy what's happening out there. Enjoying the environment and enjoying also the self-discovering. Yeah. So you uh, briefly mentioned at the beginning that two were born in Rwanda and then you started actually moving around first from your uh, first in your continent and then uh, you moved actually uh, into Canada. Uh, I truly understand that actually the main cause for you to move from Rwanda was uh, the, the war that was there inside. Can we just maybe, can you just give us something like a bit of a frame on 
how were your moving from Rwanda, then to Kenya, then to South Africa, and then why you just decided to settle in Canada, you and your family, of course. Well, actually, the I'm, you know um, I mentioned that I left Kenya. I mean, I left Rwanda in 1989, mm -hmm. and the war happened in uh, 1994. Okay, so, so before, yeah. So I did move just for immigration reasons. You know, my parents decided to move for their own reasons, and then the war happened. And, you know, uh, but the reason we moved around was just because, you know, my parents were, uh, they, they need to finish this, uh, they, they needed to go to some more studies. And then we moved to South Africa and moved to Canada because, you know, eventually after the war in Rwanda, you know, there was so much instability that, we, you know, my parents preferred to move the family to Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but are you still in uh, something like, are you still in touch with Rwanda and then also Kenya or South Africa? Or once, since when you actually establish yourself in um, Canada, you actually find it as your town, your country, your, your place to live? Or you're still planning or thinking about going visiting there despite of whatever happens? Well, um, I have, uh, given the nature of my life and my job i have friends all over the world okay and so yes obviously you know i have uh, friends and family in rwanda i have friends in kenya and i have friends in south africa and uh, part of the bicycle journey was actually to ride into all in, into all the african countries i mean most of the african countries and i had big plans for south africa rwanda and kenya and i mean now with the whole pandemic i don't know when i'm i don't know when i'm going to resume the journey but it's part of, you know, it's in the rut and, you know, I want to be able to go back where I was born and, you know, reconnect to my country and, you know, actually ride with, you know, some of the, you know, my countrymen because, you know, uh, cycling is very big in Rwanda right now. Of course. It's actually, it's a very, you know, it's a growing sport. And it's also a country that's very hilly and in high altitude. So it's good exercise and I'm really looking forward to that. You know, um... Yeah, so, and South Africa is where, you know, I mean, it's South Africa is obviously where my trip would, I would start in, depending of the route, I would probably start with, you know, uh, in like Morocco, go all the way down to South Africa, and then come back north to Kenya, and then, you know, going to Rwanda before heading all the way north to, you know, to Egypt. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now the question is, when is the world going to get back to, you know, when is the world going to allow me to travel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you never, you never ridden your bike. So you never cycled at the moment. You have not the plan, but you have never cycled in Africa since now. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was uh, headed there, but, you know, eventually, because uh, my plan was to, because in December I was in Switzerland and then I went on a short holiday break in the UK. And my plan was to fly back to the to Switzerland with a bicycle and resume my journey all the way to from Switzerland, Italy, France, Spain, and cross into Morocco, and and then from there I was going to ride you know around the continent, and actually as of right now I would have been in Abidjan in Ivory Coast. Okay, okay, okay. It's gonna happen anyways. We hopefully it's gonna happen soon once that is pandemic and this COVID-19 situation is going to get back to a new normal that probably is going to allow us also to move a bit more. Yeah, I like that. New normal is a word. I'm actually, you know, I like that. New, word, uh, new normal is 
the, the word I prefer. Yeah. Because, you know, the old norm, normal obviously wasn't great because, you know, that's why the planet decided to hit a big reset. So I'm looking forward to the new normal and the adventures that will come with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like to refer to it as a new normal because as you were correctly and amazingly saying that uh, the old normal was not sustainable for, for the planet. And everything that is related, for example, something that sometimes happens, taking an airplane, for example, to go to another country or to go to a small island just to cycle your bike, to buy, to cycle your bike, yes, just to go cycling uh, there for one weekend or one long weekend, just for the sake of enjoyment of yourself was not for sure sustainable. And probably with the new normal that we are looking forward to would be a bit more natural to go to other countries, to other places, to other cities, not with one plane and with your bicycle on it, but with the bicycle itself. So you will enjoy all your process of getting there instead of only the riding the bicycle there. I don't know if it makes sense, but actually, hopefully this is going to be the new normal for everybody. Enjoying the riding the bike and not just flying to ride the bike. Yeah, I mean, we still we still need to fly over oceans, but that's but I hear, you know. I mean, yes, it is true. Like, um, I mean, for instance, when I resume the journey, I'm not going to fly back to Europe. I will just start again from Canada, where I am, and then ride all the way to South America. And then from South America, I will have to fly because obviously I can't ride on oceans. I will have to fly to South Africa and then from South Africa, you know, uh, circle the continent and then, you know, basically try to, you know, to use planes as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, let's say, link the different continents and to link the overseas place just yeah, as good as you can in order to fly as less as you can. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to just spend another couple of minutes on yourself just to, to shape a bit your character, if it's possible. And I would like to touch base on uh, of music. So you said that actually while you were studying, while you were in high school, uh, you started st studying music and uh, studying, studying as a DJ. And how actually did it happen that something that was probably a ta for sure, that is a talent, that is a passion, became a profession like it is right now? Well, uh, in high school, I wasn't studying DJing. I was oh. just, I was just a, a student. I just started DJing at house parties and, you know, birthdays, school events and everything. You know, I mean, I don't, I mean, um, like one of my, music teachers say that I never used to listen to, okay. you know, in her class. And I told her, yeah, maybe it didn't look like I was listening, but I was actually paying attention because some of the notions she taught me, you know, I used them in my musical career. So it was more, more about, a matter of, uh, you know, I started because I was actually, the story is actually very, <laughs> some people find it funny. I was, uh, because I'm a very shy and introverted person. So I was at a party and People were dancing and I was just standing there in my own little corner watching people, which is usually what I do. And the girl whose party was, she told me, well, if you're not going to dance or move or socialize, just take care of the music. And I went and took care of the music. So the next time, the next time somebody told me, hey, I saw you taking care of the music at the previous party. I'll invite you if you come and take care of the music. And that's how it started. And before, you know, before I know it, people would. Uh, get in touch with me to play music at parties and it was really 
you know, so to speak, a loser's job, you know, mm-hmm. because it was like the, it's a task nobody wanted to do. But for me, I really enjoyed it. And then one time somebody told me, hey, you want to DJ at my party? I'm like, what is that? DJ, you know, it's some, you know, DJ someone cool who plays the music like you do. And I was like, oh, you mean to tell me that what I've been doing all this time is actually cool? He said, yeah, you know, like DJs, they're so cool and they're so stylish and this and that. All right. So then I told, my, I told people from now on, you know, I'll be the DJ. And it went on like that until, you know, obviously I left, I left uh, Kenya and then I moved to South Africa and I did that in the same, uh, I mean, in a, in a different high school. And at university, I was also DJing. And then when it was time to actually make life decisions, I decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do professionally. And if it doesn't pan out, I can always find something else. I mean, my parents were not very pleased mm-hmm. and, you know, they were really not very pleased. But, you know, a good 20 years later, I think, you know, they're starting to get comfortable with the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you study, if I can ask you? Uh, I was studying, uh, uh, I was doing a Bachelor's of Commerce in a major of market, marketing. Okay, okay, okay. So it's a big marketing. Okay, okay. So from marketing to music in, uh, let's say, in one record, let's put it in this way. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I really like your way. You know, I today just before talking with you, I just was um, uh, wrapping up my newsletter that is gonna go live for you that we are talking together tomorrow for everybody else that is gonna listen to that uh, last week. And I was writing exactly about that because from time to time, uh, what you have in plan and whatever you have. Uh, planned by society by whatever for you it doesn't fit you and so you need to do things in your own way not because the other thing are wrong but probably because the other thing don't fit you and uh, this is exactly actually what you are telling me and give me a lot of comfort let's say that from time to time you don't need just to to focus on how think things should have been or must be done uh, according to the rules of a society or according to the rules of somebody else, but just things need to fit you. And that's what happened to you. Yes, I mean, it was, I, I remember I was, standing in, I was sitting in class, in one class that was, was bored to death, and I, and I told myself, what am I doing here? I'm wasting my time. Yeah. And I literally got up and I left the class before it was even over. And that was my last class at university. You know, and I decided to become a DJ because deep inside I felt, I mean, I did not belong to university and I did not belong in a corporate job. So I was going to do what I, you know, I was going to do what my heart told me to do. And I did. I mean, it's not, it's not very stable because it's pretty much freelance, Mm -hmm. but it makes me happy and it brings me a lot of, uh, you know, fulfillment. So... I'm really happy. I don't really regret my decisions. I, I mean, I don't regret any decision. And, you know, and if I had to go back and change things, I would have probably, I don't know, I wouldn't change anything. Because, I mean, I did learn something at university. I just didn't, I just didn't get the degree. So it's not, you know, the time I spent at university was not wasted time because I, I gathered knowledge. But I don't regret stopping and, you know, uh, pursuing my passion. 
Yes, yes, makes a lot of sense. And um, so you were saying actually, okay, so DJing now is your profession. Are you dealing now with the situation at the moment? Are you uh, playing from time to time? You're just doing streamings? You're just uh, try to, I don't know, something like advertise your music uh, via doing mixtapes or things like this? How does it work for you at the moment? So right now, obviously, nightclubs all over the world are closed. Mm -hmm. I mean, including in uh, Canada. And in Montreal, it's going to be even longer because Canada was the... Sorry, Montreal was the epicenter of the pandemic. So it's going to take quite a while before here anything dancing is allowed. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I do do online streams, but I do them more for, you know, promotional purposes because I still, I still have to remain relevant. And... You know, and so we, so we're just waiting and seeing what's going on, you know, because, I mean, if it carries on, we all might have to, I mean, I might have to change careers and find other ways to generate income because, you know, eventually savings and, you know, subsidies are going to dry, are going to stop. So it's uncertain times and nobody's ever really lived this before. So we don't know what's going on and, you know, we're just, we're just waiting. And that's another reason why, you know, it's best for me to be in Canada because in such situations, it's better, it's, it's best to be home mm -hmm. than to be out there abroad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. We're going to uh, we're gonna go back to music offshore, um, of course, and for sure in this conversation. But now I want to just start the bicycle conversation. You said that you had your first bicycle, right? Or something similar in 2015, when uh, you got a bicycle and you start riding around. And then thanks to Strava, you understood that you were doing a solid amount of kilometers per year. But how did it happen? How actually came into your mind that you needed a bicycle, you wanted a bike in order to go outside and to explore and to see a bit the world from a different point of view? Well, I used to, I used to ride before. I used mm -hmm. to either borrow, you know, because um, in Montreal, I, ne I never wanted to get a bike because in Mon um, here, a bike gets stolen. You know, if you leave it outside, it will get stolen. It doesn't matter if it's a good bike, it's a bad bike. You know, bikes get stolen. So I really never wanted to buy a bike. So... I would, uh, uh, I would either use the city, you know, the bike-sharing bikes to ride around the city. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that I couldn't go far because I had to return them to the dock before, I, you know, I got, I got overcharged. Mm -hmm. And one day I was talking to a friend and saying, you know, it, you know, how do people, how do people here own bikes? It's just crazy. And she told me something that was actually very obvious, but I never thought of it. And she told me, well. You don't leave your bike outside. You take it inside. You just ride it, and then you take it inside. You don't commute with your bike. You just ride it, and then when once you get home, you bring it inside the house, and then that's it. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's not that. You know, that's actually it's funny. I never thought of that. And it also happened that at that time I used I used to drive, and I had lent my car to one of my friends whose car was whose own car was at the mechanic, and because during the week I really don't go anywhere. You know, I told her, well, you know, you have a child, you, you know, you have like a young child, just take my car. And then when you get yours by the weekend, you know, I can't, I can't fetch it. So now I was like, oh, now I'm bored. Let me, what do I do? And I was walking back. I was actually walking back from dropping my car off to her house. When I met, I saw somebody with a very nice bike and I told him, uh, will you get that bike? And he told me the name of a bike, bike shop. Mm hmm and I went there just to see bikes. But when I went there, I saw a bike I really, really, really like, liked. And I bought it right there on the spot. And 
and that's how it started and then I started circling around Montreal and yes when I would ride I would bring the bike inside the house because it was the safest and then now I started going far you know further and further and I was going so far that sometimes I had to call my friend to come and pick me up because I would forget that you know when you drive when you ride far you still have to amount for the time you come back home so I would go far and then it would be eight in the evening and then I would it would be in the middle of the it would be so dark and I had to call my friend to come pick me up from wherever I was in the middle of nowhere. Okay. You know, and then I started riding. And like I said, like I, like I mentioned earlier, by the time I was doing a lot of distances, you know, I really realized that I had literally crossed a country in, in, you know, in four months, you know, and so that's how the idea to cross Canada came by. But for me, it wasn't really cycling because it was more escape because when I'm on a bicycle, I don't ride to ride a bike, you know, I'm just out there and, Riding a bicycle is it's almost a by you know by by I mean it's almost a byproduct. Sorry, that's what the word I was looking for. Okay. And and I mean I'm not really a bad person. I just love riding bicycles. You know I don't know like for instance a lot of people obsess about the kind of bikes you know the technology and this and that. Yes, I'm aware of it and I keep up with it because you know it's interesting, but. I'm not the kind of person, you know, I have my bike, that's it. You know, I got the perfect bike and it's perfect for me and I'm happy with it. Okay. But I wrote, I wrote, you know, I love riding. And for instance, and I love being outdoors. So you will never catch me, for instance, doing uh, indoor cycling. Because for me, I, you know, I don't, you know, you'll never catch me doing that. Because I don't cycle for, I don't cycle for fitness. I don't cycle for, uh, for sports, for racing. I cycle to be outside and to enjoy the great outdoors. So two things happen in winter. For instance, I either ride my bike outside in winter or I do not. But you will never catch me you will never catch me on an indoor trainer or in a spinning class or anything like that. So you're telling me that also during winter I can find you I can find you out there riding the bicycle with negative degrees, with negative temperature. Yeah, I ride in winter. Yeah. I mean it's it's Canada, so if you're not going to ride in winter, you know, you have very short, you have maybe like five months of cycling, so you have to make the most of it. And also, I have a little bit of experience because I cycled across Canada in winter, mm -hmm. and I was by myself in the middle of nowhere. Here, at least when I ride here in winter, I'm, by, you know, I'm in the city. But what actually makes it dangerous to ride in the city is that you're actually in a city and you have to deal with cars and sometimes, you know, it's some people don't know how to drive in winter. For instance, they slam on their brake and they lose control of the car. And if, if you're the person on a bicycle nearby, you know, they can hit you. So the city is a little bit complicated, but with the proper tires and the proper vigilance, you know, anything can happen. I mean, uh, I ride as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. And I usually also, when I ride, I try to go into industrial areas that are deserted where there, are, there aren't many people. And I do my rides and, and then I come back home. Okay. Uh, you know what? I was checking your uh, video that I don't remember the title, but I'm going to... Probably you can tell us the title of the video of the film that was actually shot by... Uh, of the last day of, of your riding across Canada. What was the title of it? I forgot. Yeah. So... Um, the the short film is called Escape. Escape. Uh, it's yeah. It, it's um, directed by Angeline Nayar. Uh, she's also from Montreal, and um, I, I had actually never met her. Ah. Uh, and but and what happened is that uh, you know uh, MEC Canada's largest 
uh, you know, outdoor goods uh, retailer. They decided to do a film about, you know, uh, about people who, because in Canada, mostly the outdoors, you, you know, it's only, it seemed to be like a white sport. It's, you don't see minorities in it. So they decided to do something about diversity. But at the same time, you know, when it came to my situation, it wasn't really, it was, yes, diversity because, you know, here, here's this black man cycling across Canada in winter, which is something, I mean, you don't see a lot of black Canadians cycling across Canada to, to begin with. Yeah. And you don't see anyone cycling across Canada in winter, period, no matter the rest. And then this person is doing it on a fixed gear bike. But the other part that was diversity uh, related was also, I'm not an outdoor person, I'm a DJ. So for them, they were very curious. What is this DJ doing out there at minus 40? Something he's never done before. Something that even cyclists don't do. But he's a novice cyclist and he's out there doing something that nobody's ever done. And on a bicycle, that really is not the pr proper tool. What's his story? So by the time they decided to do a story, I was, because I was riding really fast to get to the end of my journey. So this, I told them, I don't have, because in the name of Canada, once you leave the major cities, there's no phone, there's no phone reception. Uh -huh. So nobody could, so nobody could get hold of me. But I told them, well, there's one place you'll find me is at the end because I'll be there. If I don't show up, it means that I didn't make it, aka I'm dead. But if I make it, then we can do the last day. And then I was, I, you know, I rode north and then I got into my hotel and I checked in and then I saw a group of people started, you know, applauding. They're like, hey, there it is. And I'm like, oh, you made it. Wow. And they said, yeah, we flew. I'm like, oh, I rode, you know, and, and then, you know, I spent the night and the following day I went to, you know, we, I went to ride on the ice road and it was the last day. And then that's that was it, and then the shot, and then everybody went their separate ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, as I was saying, it's really inspirational. Once they've seen the the short movie, The Escape, it was really really inspirational for so many reasons. But I would actually name a few of them. First of all, I saw you cycling in full winter with huge gloves, two pair of gloves, a huge helmet also covering your face and your eyes as well. Uh, all your equipment was really winter, winterish, wintery. And this is, is something that really I thought, okay, how can somebody really ride in this temperature in this way? The second thing that is also related to that, I saw you cycling on frozen rivers. And that's another thing that actually, I don't know, frightened me so much, a lot, because I thought, okay, what happens if, you know? And this was another thing that made me completely, I don't know, as I was saying, it was pretty, pretty inspiring. It seems like you were going on, also falling, you know? I saw also yourself crashing on this kind of, uh, of ice uh, road that you were riding with. And this was also another thing. I said, okay, that's so scary. And the third thing is that you were riding a fixed gear bike. Can we just explore these three things? How was to ride in winter? How was actually how you choose and how you dealt with uh, uh, the, equi the equipment? And on the other side, how was the decision made of cycling in single speed or in fixed gear? Sorry. So I'll start with fixed gear first. Uh, fixed gear was actually an accident because when I went to, like I mentioned earlier, 
when I went to the back shop that the, the, the passerby had told me he'd bought his bicycle from, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I did not even know what a fixed gear was. But it turned out that the back shop was, you know, specialized only specialized in uh, single speed and fixed gear bikes. And the bike I wanted was in fixed gear. Okay. And I, they said that's a fixed gear, and I'm like, what is that? They tried to explain to me, and then they said, okay, you know what? Ride it. <laughs> I got on. I rode it, and then I fell because the pedal kept spinning, and I fell. But one thing I realized is that I liked the way I felt one with the bike. Because I, I really liked the way it rode. Yeah. So then I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to get it and get, you know, I mean, it took me maybe two days to get used to it. And then when I said, I'm going to cycle across Canada, I said, uh, you know, people said, you can't do that on a fixed year. I'm like, well, I've been riding all summer on a fixed year. Yeah, but they said, yeah, but there are mountains and this and that. I'm like, well, I've ridden across some mountains here. I mean, in Montreal, we don't have a lot of mountains, but I'm like, you just get up and pedal. That's it. People said, yeah, but it's a long distance. Then, then I said to myself, well, it seems challenging. So let's make it a challenge. Let me ride, you know, let me ride across Canada and fix your bike. But also I had written, I had read that in winter, a single speed or a fixed gear bike is the best uh, tool because there are less things to go wrong. Because apparently, you know, with the gears, sometimes the shifters or whatever, the derailleur, or the cassette, they freeze or they get full of mud. Whereas a fixed gear is constant, you know, a fixed gear is constantly clean, cleaning itself. So there is something that's likely to go wrong. And really, it is true, in the whole trip, the only mechanical failures I got were flat tires. Okay. And, and then at one stage, the chain came off, you know. But I think the chain, I don't know what happened, but I think, I don't know why, why but the chain came off, but I think maybe my, my tire wasn't, you know, tight the screws weren't tight enough but i never had any issues like i never had any problem i never had my bike never broke down you know and so that's how the fixed gear came by but you had brakes there right yeah yeah i had uh you had i had i had front and back brakes okay the both of the brakes. okay yeah and that is actually how i did that for two reasons a it's against the law in canada to ride brakeless i mean people do it but i was crossing a country and i didn't want to be I mean, I didn't want to get tickets in every single province and territory across. And then number two, for me, it was a way to preserve my knees because, yes, I knew I was going downhill. And the last thing I wanted was to skid because most problems, you know, most knee-related uh, problems on fixed gears are not, are not from the pedaling. They're from the braking because you have to use your knees. I mean, basically, you have to use your legs to brake. And it's very taxing on the knees. Mm -hmm. So, and then also for you know for safety reasons because you know brakes are always good. Of course. I know it doesn't make, it doesn't make me cool, but you know um, it makes me alive. <laughs> no, it makes and, a lot of sense. Yeah, knowing actually the yeah. fixed gear um, community out there, whatever, most of them rides without brakes. That's why I wanted to ask you that actually it was a fixed gear bike. Okay, for sure, but with both brakes because you need also to control your braking. You need to be a bit more modular. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the most time I really used my brakes was downhill as a way to uh, slow down, you know, like because I was my legs were spinning too fast. So I needed to slow down quite a bit. But most of the time, because I was riding in on, you know, on I mean, most of the time, I usually just a simple resistance would be enough to slow down the bike. 
And then, of course, I'm riding out there in the outdoors, so I don't really need to brake, you know, because there are no junctions. There are, you know, there's there's nothing that requires me to brake. So, so that's the fixed gear part. Yeah. The winter part, well, you just, I mean, I, I, I adapted. I remember actually learned how to dress from when I was in London. I was DJing in London, and I walked by a, a shop that used, you know, I, I saw a shop that sold clothing stores, and I walked in, and um, it was, um, you know, the brand was called Rafa. I didn't, I wasn't cycling, so I didn't know that it was a big deal. Or it was like very high end. Yeah. So I walked into it, and I told. I told uh, one of the uh, sales assistant, I told them that I want to cycle across Canada and Canada is very cold. And it's not like UK winter, like we have serious winter. And I needed him to teach me how to dress for it. So he told me, you should wear this, you should wear that, you should wear this, you should wear that. But I told him, yeah, but you have to understand, I'm from Canada. So you have to keep that in mind. And told me, sir, I'm from, uh, I forgot where he was from, but he was from one of the northern countries. So either Sweden, Norway, Finland, you know, or Denmark. I don't remember which one it was, but one of them. And he told me, okay, I said, I said, okay, yeah, okay, fine. You know, winter. So he told me how to dress and this and that, and told me you should be, you should be taking this and that. Obviously that day I was in a rush, so I didn't buy anything. So when I got back to Canada, when I went back to Canada, I tried to look for stores that saw the same clothes, clothing, but then I realized that each brand has its own different of clothing. And I couldn't figure out what to get. So I looked for the brand. So my, I wanted to get my friend in the UK to buy me the clothes and send them to me. And then I realized, oh, Rafa does ship everywhere in the world. So I, rem- I took the list and I bought exactly what the uh, Northern European guy had told me to buy. And I bought that and I wore them. And he was right. You know, and really, actually, the only time I called cold. I really almost froze to death was because I was overdressed. And when I got overdressed, I started sweating. And when I started sweating and overheating, I couldn't take it anymore. So I unzipped one jacket and then all the wind came and froze my sweat. So then it was as if I had, I was covered on, with, on ice and that dropped my temperature and I almost froze, Wow! you know, all because I was too, you know, uh, dressed too warm. So I learned a very important lesson because, you know, they say that when you step outside in the cold, you should be, if you're hot, if, if, you, if, before you, if you get on the bicycle and you're hot already, that's, you, you know, you're overdressed because it means you're just going to get hotter and you're going to start sweating. So when you start, you should actually feel cold and then warm up and then get at the proper temperature. And by then, you know, by the time I really go to the, to the Arctic Circle, I really knew how to dress. Even to this day, I can look outside, look at the weather, and I know how to dress. I can tell. Because for me, I dressed not to sweat in cold weather. You know, I dressed enough to protect against the wind, but also to avoid sweating. Because once you sweat, it's usually game over. You're going to get cold. Yeah. And riding on the ice road, you know, the third, you know, your third question, mm-hmm. it was actually like riding on a velodrome because it's very hard and solid. But... What happened whenever I kept falling was because, at, yes, I had good tires because I had studied tires, meaning that they had uh, some uh, nails in it. So I had very good, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to skid. But what happened is that uh, I kept falling because 
that, that ice rod is also used by lorries, the big heavy lorries. So when they used to come from far, because they're heavy, they would create waves oh, yeah. in the water. Hmm. So it's as if I was riding and then somebody pulled the carpet. So I actually fell because the, the surface became, it was, it, it, it was as if there was a, an earthquake. So the whole ground shifted and then I would just fall. Simple as that. Or sometimes, uh, or, or the, one of the times I fell, it was also because when, the big, you know, when those big uh, lorries and trucks go by, sometimes they crack the, the river and the water, you know, and, the, and, the, and then it creates a pothole because of, of the crack. So because, they, you know, and then it would be covered with snow and I wouldn't see it. So then I would hit it and then it would be a hole. So it's like hitting a pothole and then I would fall. So, but eventually I got, you know, I got to, I mean, I fell, I fell six times on that ice road. But, you know, the people who did the film, they were very nice. They only included the one time. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. So six um, times in the last day. Yeah. Whoa. And all, all across in Canada, I had maybe fallen three times, you know, in total. So most of the falls I had was on that asteroid. But it wasn't because the asteroid was slippery. It's just because it was, uh, it was full of potholes and this and that. And it was, but it, but it was actually very, very nice. And it was very fast because it's flat because you're in a river, and it's very solid. So I could pump my tires really hard and just fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's super fascinating. It's really interesting because it's really something, it's really a condition that I'm not used to ride. And listening to your story, so that comes so natural, it's, it's pretty cool to understand that actually there is not... Of course, these are a bit more extreme condition than others, but actually nothing is too extreme. It's just a way to adapt your way of cycling or your way of dressing and then to get out and start riding the bike. So whatever can be done. I mean, to be honest, the only time I stopped like cycling in, uh, when I was cycling across Canada, it was in summer. Mm. Because at one stage it got to 40 degrees and I had to stop because it was too hot. It never got too cold, even though I rode at minus 40. But it, but it did get too hot because I find that anything above 35 becomes very difficult because you run out of water and it's, you know, you, 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 you know, you know, you're likely to suffer a heat stroke. I mean, it's just crazy. So it's actually in very, very hot summer that I took a break and I couldn't believe that. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, I'm African born and the only reason, and the only reason I have to stop is I have to take a, like a summer break but not a winter break. And the other conditions that were difficult was uh, freezing rain because at minus 40, I mean, anything bef um, at minus 20, it's not, you know, it's not raining. It's just frozen. But the one time I really, really, really got cold and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the end of me, was in, um, in a province called Newfoundland. It was eight degrees, but it was freezing rain. Meaning it's, you know, it, I think up in the sky it's snow, but by the time it gets on the ground, it's, it's melted snow, so it becomes like freezing rain. And that was, because you can do whatever you want, I, even though I had the most waterproof clothing, after five hours, you know, it got through and it got cold, you know, I mean, because yes, the, the clothes were waterproof, but the water would leak into my shoes. And once it got into my feet and my socks, yeah, that was the end of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. And actually, I got to know about that also when I was living in Berlin. Once we are getting really, we are hitting the negative temperature. It's it's weird to say, but it's easier to ride your bicycle than when it's five, seven degrees or three degrees and rains. Because there, when you are on the zero temperature and at least a little more, a little less, and it rains, it's for sure more complicated to ride a bike than anything else. Yeah, it's, oh my goodness, it was just complicated. It's, I mean, it's rain. So now I don't even bother with rain. I really, when I say that I'm going to ride, I don't mind riding three hours in the rain. Mm -hmm. But after the third hour, I know it's going to get, it's, I'm going to get in trouble. Yes, summer rain is different because summer rain is actually welcome because it's cooling. But I'm talking about winter rain, right? Or even autumn rain. Yeah. I don't mess with those. Yeah, yeah, never do it. Uh, so for how long actually have you been traveling across Canada? It was 15 months, right? Or a bit more? Yes, the, the Cross Canada ride took me 15 months. 15 months. But it was a very slow 15 months because I was stopping in places and, you know, hanging out with my friends or, or you know, it was a very, it was very slow and deliberate because I also wanted to see Canada. You know, I wanted to, like, it happened that the bike ride was just a way to get across Canada. But it was more, uh, you know, a way to discover Canada. And that's why I want to do it again, but in, you know, using the reverse route, because now I want to see what it looks like in summer. Yes, of course. Uh, I just want to ask you, what, uh, which one is your best memories? What did you learn in, uh, in this huge trip that you have done with the bicycle, your first bicycle trip? Well, I learned that it's actually easier than it sounds. It's really easier. Basically, it's like riding around the block in your own city. The only difference is that you don't sleep in the same, in this, in, you don't sleep at your house and you, and you sleep in different places. It's really as simple as that. And riding a bike is also, I mean, first, and it's not as dangerous because even though I was on highways in winter, it's not really as dangerous. And it's actually more dangerous to ride in the city than to ride outside the city because the cars can see, can see you from far, the roads are wider, they can overtake you properly. So it's actually safer. And for me, I really didn't know that, I mean, I find a side of me that I didn't know. I really didn't know that I was brave or I was, you know, I was a hand endurance or I could do something so crazy. It's actually only when I was done with my trip that I started getting a lot of media attention and people were saying, it's crazy, it's crazy, that I realized, okay, maybe it was crazy. And now, you know, when I think about it, I realize. I don't think I'll do it again because it's just crazy. It's so cold, you know, it's some, you know, because I remember at one stage it was so cold. I'm like, okay, if I don't get up and walk, I'm going to freeze to death, you know? And I would have literally frozen to death because I was on some highways. I would see a car every hour or maybe every two hours, you know? And so I realized it was really a very, it was a calculated gamble, but I was really gambling. So that's the part that really, was amazing you know i mean i mean as in as in amazing as not amazing as in great as in wow i was really amazed at myself but for me the moment i cherish the most are the many people i met because i wasn't camping i wasn't camping i was staying with people i was using a website called warm showers to stay with people and canadians you know welcomed me you know i really i really met wonderful people and most of them i keep in touch with them and some of them they already telling me oh yeah if you you know we hear that you cycle across Canada again. You know, your bedroom is still here. Your bed is still here. You know, even if we're in the middle of the pandemic, 
I didn't want to put anyone in danger, but they're like, no, don't worry, we'll take precautions. You're going to isolate your room. You go, everyone is going to be safe. You know, we look forward to seeing you again. So I really, really made a lot of friends. And it's, you know, I mean, it was when I stepped inside the house, I was a random stranger. They didn't know me from anywhere. I didn't know from, you know, anywhere. And the next morning when I left, you know, I, you know, I had met some uh, lifelong friends. So for me, that is the most, that's the, that's the memory I will cherish forever because, Yes, you know, you, you travel, you see beautiful places, you see beautiful scenery, but the one thing you never forget is the human interaction, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's really interesting and it's really cool how everybody who travels with a bike, especially people like you who made such an extreme uh, trip and bicycle trip, are saying that actually people are really helpful, people are really great, while everybody. And all the times, actually, that we have something like a different uh, angle on people. Nobody would say, okay, people are usually amazing. People are really helpful and stuff. People just stay on their own side. And it's really difficult that somebody will, uh, somebody will help you. But once you go out with a bike and you really experience real people and not only everyday life or computer people or whatever, you really recognize that people are great and people are really happy and keen to help you. And that's a great learning that we all need, all need to have. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was really, I mean, I really learned a lot. And I mean, even about myself, because I got to see who I am from the eyes of my host. Because, you know, um, in Montreal, I have my friends or abroad, I have my friends. They know me. So, you know, they're my friends. So they're always going to say nothing about me. But I go to places where people didn't know me and then they would describe me and say things about me. And I even got to learn myself through their eyes. So it was also a very, I got to really know me myself even better. So yeah, at a certain point, you came back home and from uh, your race across Canada. And as you were saying, a lot of media attention was on you. Uh, what were people saying about your trip? How people recognize your trip? And how people uh, describe and says and tell the, told the story about your trip around? Well, everyone was surprised at the beginning because I did it. Everyone was like, oh... That is, that is crazy. Why did you do that? I mean, we didn't even know. My friends, even my friends told me, I didn't even know that you were capable of something like that. I told them, well, I didn't know that I was capable of that either. So, you know, even even I am surprised. But the media attention came from the, the fact that, you know, by the time I finished uh, six, six months later, the film was out. And the film went on to around the world in many festivals around the world. I mean, it was... It just became an international, you know, hit in the in the adventure film festival circuit. Basically, you know, it was big in even uh, the I think it's a uh, tour in Italy, which is the first. It was even big there. It was played, in, you know, all over New Zealand, and I even heard that in Brazil it gets played in uh, prisons oh. to show people that you know, you know, because escape is is you know I was running towards my freedom. But it's not, it wasn't like a freedom, like a physical freedom. It was a freedom for my life and my thoughts. So they use it for, you know, to, I guess, I don't know, to inspire the, you know, the, the prisoners, I mean, the, you know, the people in prison. I mean, it's been played everywhere. I mean, it's actually funny because as a DJ, I mean, I have a, I'm more recognized around the world as a DJ. But now I'm, people will stop me and say, oh, you're the guy who cycled across Canada who was riding around the world. 
And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's me. And then I realized that they don't, they don't even know that I'm a DJ, you know. So it's very, it's a very interesting world. And, but I really, it was also even from the African media because they were like, some African did what? So they wanted to see me like, you know, why would you do such a thing? Why is, wasn't it too cold? And again, the one thing I really love to tell people is that the only time I stopped because of the weather was because it was too hot. Yeah. Never because it was so, and, and, and I think that in itself, you know, and then I told people, and then I would, people couldn't understand. And I'm like, and I will tell them when you're trying to sleep at night, is it easy to sleep when it's really cold or is it easier to sleep when it's really hot? And everybody will say, oh, when it's really hot, I can't sleep. I'm like, see, same thing, same thing. And then the lesson, you know, and then people would catch it. So, and then, so I got that, you know, so the whole of 2018 and, you know, because I finished my trip in 2017. So between 2017, 2018, I was almost, now I was touring the world to present the film at festivals you know, on top of DJing. So I was, you know, it's as if I was having two different jobs. And and then 2019 came down. And in 2019, you know, I started getting restless again. And I said, you know what? I think I should go circle around the world. And in August, that's when I left. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on that. How and why this this decision came into your mind? And how did you kick off this trip around the world with a bike? So the trip around the world was actually a lifelong project because when I was very young, like in, you know, in my early teens, I read a, a book by Jules Verne, you know, called uh, uh, Autour du Monde à 80 Jours, like, yes. you know, Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah. And one day I told myself, you know, I will go around the world. But it was by car because, you know, it was the most, it's what I knew at the time. So I said, when I grow up, I'm going to go around the world. And then as I got into cycling, I said, hmm, why not go do it with a bicycle? But then I said, okay, this is just crazy. Let me just finish cycling across Canada first. And then I said, okay, I'm 40. You know, I'm not getting any younger. This is the time. Yeah. So on my 40th birthday, I got on my bicycle and I left Montreal. And I want to cycle across the, you know, um, I went all the way to, you know, for the first, my first ride was around Montreal because Montreal is an island. So I did around Montreal to just say goodbye. And then... I, uh, I cycled to Boston. Boston, I flew to the UK. And then from the UK, I went to the Netherlands, Netherlands, Belgium, France, Switzerland. And that's when the pandemic hit. You know, so, but the idea was very simple. It was just our realization of a lifelong project. And it sounds, you know, it's really, for me, if I did it, and this, you know, I feel it was, it was one of those when I grow up, I will, you know, I will circle the world like uh, I would circle the world by car but then it turned out okay I get to do it by bicycle so for me that was my I was in the process of my long you know my, my lifelong uh, project and I'm so happy that I did it it's that the pandemic you know uh, stopped me or gave me a break so I really cannot wait to resume the, this journey and I do realize that you know the world has changed and cycling around across the world might not be as safe anymore, not because the world became dangerous, but because of now I really think we're going to go into an era of pandemic after pandemic after pandemic. So I have to be, so I have to play, I have to see and wait. So now I've, I've made peace with the fact that I might not go be gone for, because initially I was planning to go for five years, mm -hmm. 
but now I realize that I might have to do it in bits and pieces. For instance, do two months here and then stop and then go back and then, or maybe do it in a different order, like do, you know, Oceania here and then maybe sometimes do a, a different continent, not in a straight line, you know, and the journey wouldn't be continuous. So anyway, we'll see. Right now, my focus is on cycling across Canada and then when the world, you know, uh, when the planet is ready, I will be ready to yeah yeah it's it's really great i like actually your expression of uh, when the world is gonna be ready and we're gonna be ready to as well to adapt on what the world wants and that's the perfect thing um i just want to ask you because actually these um cycling around the world the around the world trip you linked it with something else and this to your support and your raising awareness uh with the world bicycle relief Sorry, World Bicycle Relief. Yeah, correct. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Why did you decide to go for this course and what it means for you and how you support it? So, I've over, I mean, I've supported a few charities in my life. And, you know, my music supports, uh, like my mixes on YouTube support, uh, World Food Program, which is an organization that uh, provides food in, you know, to people who live in, Extreme, extreme poverty or who are affected by natural or man-made uh, emergencies like, you know, floods or, you know, wars or this and that. And I decided, well, if I'm going to be riding around the world, I should be doing something cycling related. So one of the things I wanted to do was start a charity that provides bicycles to people in, you know, to children and to, so that they can, children could get to school. But then one day I, was, I said, I told myself, oh, maybe there's somebody doing something like that out there. And I did. And I, saw, I came across World Bicycle Relief. And I really liked the way they did it. I really, because one of the things I liked is that they don't take bicycles and then go dump them in Africa. And then when your bike breaks, what do you do? Now it becomes a dumping ground. They actually even get people, they create jobs by getting people who become the mechanics. And they don't just give the bikes to, to anyone. They... It's like a, an understanding. Like, for instance, the children, they are told you have to keep attending school and you have to get good grades before the bicycle is yours. So that is good because it's less condescending. It's less, you know, you, you're motivating them to, to work for something. So it's not, a, it's not a handout. It's, you know, it's an investment into somebody. And we all need somebody to believe in us. You know, I mean, people think that people are not fortunate want pity they don't they just want somebody to invest in them and that's why i like world bicycle relief and and so and i also like the team because i got in touch with them and you know i really like the team they were very friendly and i really and they were in it for the cause you know because they're not in it for the glory and there's no hidden agenda, you know, you know where your money is going because a bicycle is a very something tangible. Sometimes when you say, you know, uh, we're going to get food, you know, or we're going to build houses, then the money disappears. But with the World Bicycle Relief, you give the money and then you see the bicycle right there. It's simple. And then the bicycle is, it's something that has an economic, a longer economic benefit because some of, I've heard that some of these children go to school on these bicycles and then they graduate, they go to, you know, and then eventually they become teachers and now they go to school, they go teach on those same bicycles. 
because apparently those bicycles they last for like you know they last for a lifetime if you I mean it's like, like anything if you maintain because they're very solid bicycle I, um, I go to I go to see one with my very own eyes in uh in uh, in uh, in uh, the, the Netherlands I mean it's heavy because it's meant to carry a lot of it's, it can carry a hundred kilos I'm talking excluding the the rider that bike can handle a hundred kilos a hundred kilos is a lot it's you know most bikes plus you know most like more than road bikes you know if you add the rider and the and the cargo the most you'll get is 120 kilos this bike can carry cargo alone is 100 kilos that's just crazy insane and and so i really liked what they were doing and i figured okay let me let the pros do what the pros do and let me just support them by raising money for them and i'm riding a bike and how, how I ride my bike is very simple. It's people who join me. Let's say somebody decides to join me on the ride and ride with me. Whatever amount they ride with me, let's say if you ride 50 kilometers, you make 50, you know, you make a $50 euro or pound contribution to World Bicycle Relief. You know, and basically that's, and some people who feel inspired, you know, by my ride, they're like, okay, you know what, I feel inspired by his ride. Then they make the donation to the World Bicycle Relief, you know. And that's how I'm, you know, that's how I'm, how I pretty much support them. It's my job is to help them to be, you know, to help them raise funds, and you know, using my my social media, you know, presence and my fan base, and so far so good. Okay, so which one are the results right now exactly? That's what I wanted to ask you. You are getting good results on the good results on that. You can see actually that a lot of people are um, donating to the cause or. Uh, you heard also some good uh, media coverage about that. How is it working right now, your support for World Bicycle Relief? So, yes, people do donate to the bicycle. But surprisingly, the one thing that works the best is when I am at my home and I decided to, to DJ and I do a live stream. Yeah. And then I tell people, okay, if you appreciated this mix, donate World Bicycle Relief. It's actually weird, but that's the one thing that gets the most you know, re um, funds raised. And and I realized it makes it makes sense because when I'm cycling out there, it's just me cycling out there. People are not getting something, you know, because people are, you know, we're human. We all want what serves us. So when I'm out there on a bicycle riding, it's just, you know, people are not getting, yes, they're watching, but whatever. When they're riding with me, yes, they can contribute, but not everyone rides with me. But when I'm out there performing music and playing it, and then people said, then people got a service, they got music. So then they're more likely to donate to the charity that, that I direct them to. So in a way, if I really wanted to be, if my job, if my intention was to not ride around the world, but to actually raise money, I would actually be better off just DJing and not riding around, you know, not riding. But I, I mean, I, I'm still going to ride because I love riding initially. I mean, I wanted to ride because I wanted to ride and the fundraising was just an add-on but it's i mean i was still amazed that it's the, through the djing that i get the most traction but i mean now when i think about it, it makes sense because i have more i mean i have like millions of fans mm -hmm. whereas in cycling i just have maybe thousands of people interested in my ride Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. For sure, you're a bit more... The audience is different. The audience is broader while yeah. you're putting some music on and also people can really relate to you way more if they are uh, listening to your music, music and 
stayed there with you while you're making the um, your DJ set. Uh, otherwise, with the bicycle, of course, you're going to have the audience of people riding with you, the audience of people following you and passionate about bikes, but there are not as many as music lovers, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can give us, just uh, to, to finish with, uh, to wrap this topic, do you give us, do you have something like a special URL where people can donate for your cause? That then is going to be also down in the description below. Yeah, people can make a donation by, um, um, because um, it's uh, Beats for Bikes, you know, Beats, Beats, B-E-A-T-S, and then the number four, yeah. and then Bikes, B-I-K-E-S, dot com. Okay. Beats for Bikes is where people can go, you know, and then they'll read about it. Or they, just, or they can just tap into Google World Bicycle Relief and make a donation. Because if they make a donation through me or the agency, you know, or the, or the or, sorry, or the charity itself, it's the same. It's the same. You know, it goes to the same goal. So I really don't care if it goes through me or not. You know, for me, what matters is that the organization gets the funds needed to make the world a better place for those who are less fortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And just I want to add two words really on the word bicycle relief. I really like because they are um, creating and uh, building up really solid bikes the buffalo as you were saying so bicycle that with a good maintenance that is also super easy this can last for three or four lifetimes so this bike can be passed by by from a generation to the other and that's really good and on the other side is made because of a cause so let's use bicycles in order to get scholarship to people to let people be educated and to develop um all the childhood that is out there so and this is an amazing cause as you were as you were saying if you are just uh, saying okay donating for food or donating for buildings you don't really see what's happening but this is a cause that is solid is visible and also the bikes the bikes themselves they are pretty solid and that's something really concrete yeah i mean i mean uh, like i said i mean i wouldn't ride that bike up a hill okay but people do it you know, and I've seen people do it in, in photos, yeah. but it's amazing. I mean, it, it really, it's an amazing bike and it's also quite inexpensive. So, and it, they do change lives. You know, it's not only, they're, only, they're not only given to children, like right now during a pandemic, they're actually given to uh, health, you know, like frontline workers, health workers. Like for instance, the nurses can go visit the patients, you know, the, uh, the midwives can go visit the, you know, pregnant mothers and so forth. And because, you know, like for instance, uh, you know, they can see more patients, which is great, and also it you know it avoids them getting uh, you know using public transport and being at risk because if uh, if the person you know if, if the medical personnel is ill, well then there's nobody to protect us. So you know so I mean I really really applaud World Bicycle Relief and I will you know support them with everything I have because you know they really are doing. I mean I ride bikes for fun, but their bikes save lives. And that is a big deal to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I just want to talk a little bit more about your travel around the world. I know that it's going to be a long conversation, but if you still have time, I have a couple of topic picks that I would love to touch. Um, yeah, the first one is you actually in your bike, so in your ride around the world, you also combined another layer of thing that is yourself going and playing and DJing also in the places that you were traveling in. How could you do that, actually? Was it tiring? Was it complicated to arrange also the gigs? How, how was it? So organizing the gigs was sometimes complicated, 
but it's I mean it's but it's also complicated because of funding the gigs because I'm lucky I have a pretty you know I mean my name is pretty known in my, in the circles uh, I mean in the in the music I play so for me booking uh, DJ sets is not complicated it's more the actual uh, the scheduling because I'm on a bike and let's say for instance if I have to be somewhere in two weeks on a bicycle it's very hard to to predict because it takes one week of rain and not for, for not me riding and I lose one week and now I have to make that gig and I have to catch a train to go to the gig and then come back and you know and resume my ride and that was very frustrating so to be able to manage I just took less bookings but in like major cities so that I know, I know for instance I could I give myself enough time to be there like for instance I would say in six months I'm going to be playing this city and then I know in six months I'm going to be there because saying I'm going to be somewhere in two weeks that's very risky because there's so many things I cannot predict and once something is confirmed you sell tickets and people buy tickets you know I have to show up so that was the that was the hard part and very quickly I, you know I was trying I was still trying to figure out a way to get to make it work and I realized that the best way to make it work was to actually schedule way ahead of time and try three different dates you know like give people three different options and say okay but you buy the tickets right now but it can be for an event this date this date or that date but it's going to be one of the three because there are more chances that there are very strong odds that I'm going to make one of the you know if I have three chances I'm going to make one so that was very complicated and actually that was the most tiring part if you really want to know it's 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 harder than actually riding a bike <laughs> yeah 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 it makes a lot of sense i like actually how you planned everything in advance it's uh exactly the way giving yourself a bit more flexibility yeah yeah um so this means that actually your dj set are basically made but with digital music you don't care you don't carry with yourself uh records and vinyls and stuff like that. no i mean i don't really even when i'm not cycling i don't because now everything has moved to the digital format Yes, I play vinyl and I have vinyl, but practically speaking, do I really want to carry a, a box of records and then have it checked it at the you know check it at the airport and then have it stolen? No, I don't. No, yeah. You know, it's better to catch you know I carry a USB key, put it in my pocket, put my headphones around my neck, and then go to my gig. You know, it's also I mean everyone anyone everyone wants to play vinyl until have to they have to carry it. It's heavy, you know, and. And it's it's just more practical. Yes, it doesn't sound as you know, like digital doesn't sound as clean as I mean as warm and as you know as as, as you know better than vinyl. But it's not to say that digital is bad. You know, it's really because at the end of the day, what matters is music. You know, same thing with with a photo, with a photograph. Whether when you look at a photograph, nobody cares if it was done with film or with with a you know with digital. What matters is the content. Something with music, you know. I would rather have somebody play good music on digital than terrible music on vinyl. Yeah, of course, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And if I just, uh, if I can add also another thing, I would be way more scared of carrying my records 
so from one continent to the other, from one city to the other, from one gig to the other with an airplane than with my than with my bike. Of course, it's more comfortable to do it with an airplane, but I would feel safer with my bike because at least I'm handling myself my records. So for this reason, I can completely understand that having, I don't know, a hard drive or whatever with your music and your headphones it's way better in a digital way than in records for these reasons. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's also practicality. You know, I mean, with Vandal, you can all let's say you can have like maybe a hundred pieces of records, whereas with digital, you can have ten thousand pieces of music if you wanted. So, yeah, you can adapt on the on the gig itself, and you can adapt to the audience yeah. and everything. I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing because sometimes when you have too much choice. Of course. You know, <laughs> of course. you know, it can be paralyzing, but it's, I mean, it's, I don't know, for me, it worked out the best, you know, I mean, there's some DJs out there who are still spilling vinyl, you know, and power to them. And, you know, I spin vinyl, for instance, when I'm in Montreal or, and I'm have to do a press event and I know it's a small, it's a small party and, you know, it, and also the problem is that nowadays nightclubs don't have proper turntables anymore or they're broken or nobody takes care of them. So, but, uh, you know, for me, what matters is the music. I, re I really don't care. I'm, I'm not one of those who gets caught up in the medium. For me, what matters is the music, you know, you know, sh like play me good music and I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Actually, you hit my imagination uh, with your definition. So sometimes on having too many options really can freeze you. And I want to move in this direction. So at a certain point of your trip, so when, when you were in Europe, you decided to swap your fixed gear bike with a geared bike. And this can be probably the same field, right? You started having, instead of only one option with a fixed gear, starting having 12 with your new bike. What happened there? How did you take this decision or was something that you were forced on doing it? Well, it's because um, the thing that's riding, you know, riding on a fixed gear across Canada, I know my trip was longer because I was on a fixed gear because I need more time for recovery. But also, I was walking up some hills, and you know, and and it's generally it's taxing on the body. It's really asking too much for the body, mm -hmm. and and it's one thing to ride for fifteen months on a fixed gear, and it's another to ride five years. Five years on a fixed gear is a lot, and but also the world is so wide that I don't know what to expect. So a fixed gear maybe might have been limiting. So I said, okay, let me get a bike with gears for my knees, for the ability to go faster and to, to be able to ride longer distances. And then of course it's, you know, so for me it was just a more sensible decision. It was just, it's safer because in Canada, it doesn't matter where I was. I was still in Canada, which is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still safe. I don't know what's going on in the rest of the, in the rest of the world. And I'm not saying that. Safety doesn't necessarily mean people who are dangerous. Yeah. It just means that you don't know what to expect. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't want to be caught up in the middle of nowhere where there's wildlife that comes at, at, at night. Whereas I could have cycled faster by, by, you know, with a bike with gear than with fixed gear. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in the, the middle of your trip, you decided, okay, uh, probably we got enough with that and it's better to have gears. No, actually, it wasn't. It's just because... It wasn't in the movement. It's just that um, it happened because my bike was going to be ah. set up in, in the UK. Okay. Because initially they were going to send my bike to Canada. My ah, new bike to Canada. Okay. But I said, well, I'm coming to Europe. Might as well get it in Europe so that I don't have to 
pay shipping, tax, you know, pitching, like shipping uh, costs or or um, pay anything. And also, in in London, um, uh, Feet had accepted to pretty much yeah, sponsor me and take me under their wing and the backfitters. So I wanted them to fit me on the to build the bike according to my you know to buy backfitting measures. So it was more of a practical reason, you know, to to start in 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 the UK with my new bike. It wasn't because I decided to shift. It's just that I, you know it wasn't. It, I just decided to get the new bike in the UK instead of you know it's like why have a bike shift from the UK to Montreal and then I fly with it two weeks later back to the UK. It didn't make sense. Yeah, it's completely clear. So you started your trip uh, in Montreal. You met uh, actually the round of Montreal with your bike. Then you went down to Boston. You flew uh, to Europe. And then once you were in London, you pick up the bicycle. So it was not, yeah. okay, now I got enough. But it was, okay, I'm going to pick up my next ride. Yeah, because the the one, my fixed gear when I got to Boston, I packed it. And then it was it was sent into, you know, into storage in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Do you have any amazing memory that you want to share with us of your first chunk of bicycle around the world? You know what? Again, it's the same answer. The people. Okay. I mean, because Europe is, is obviously, it's a continent. It's not a country. So I got to meet people from different countries and from different, you know, uh, backgrounds and from different origins. I mean, when I was in Canada, it was just Canadians in Canada. Whereas in Europe, it was, for instance... People of foreign, you know, like people of foreign origins in London, or or British people in, in the UK or in the countryside. You know, I met a lot. You know, people like you know different people in the Netherlands and this and that. And also because, uh, uh, given my childhood, many of my friends, my childhood friends, live in Europe. Okay. So I was really reconnected with people I haven't seen in like in twenty, thirty years, fifteen years. So it was really fun. You know, I mean, it was. I mean. I actually enjoyed Europe so much that my plan was to maybe spend one whole year cycling uh, um, one year or two riding around Europe. But then I realized I would have needed visas to do that because, you know, I'm a Canadian citizen, so I would have needed, you know, any visa. So then I said, okay, you know what, let me just ride around the world and I'll come back in Europe to do it over again and again. Okay. So I really, again, it goes back, it's the same, you know, it's the people. Because I realize, you know, yes, like I said, the, there are so many beautiful things on this planet, but it's the people, it's, you know, it's the people that makes it special. Even though sometimes we are the terrible, you know, we're not very good custodians of this earth that we're given. But, you know, for me, the highlight is always meeting people. Even though, surprisingly, I'm not a very, like, people person, given my DJing. But I like people, you know, I mean, I like them and it was very, I mean, I really met, I had, I had some good times and I laughed, oh my goodness. And of course, in Europe too, you know, I mean, in France, I ate so well and it was so cheap. It was so, you know, it was great. And it was, and so far Europe was great because I speak English and French and mm -hmm. both languages, you know, allowed me to go everywhere and get and not be lost. So it was, it was excellent. Yeah, that's great. And anyways, I would never say that you're not a people person. Listening to your voice and listening to your words, you, seems like, you seem like being a really amazing and social person. So I don't know. This is my feeling. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I guess by people person, yes, I mean, I like, I mean, I like people and I get along with people, but I'm more of an introvert. Yeah, an introvert. You know, yeah. after I can only spend so much time with people before it becomes too much. So, you know, whereas in Europe for once, I was happy to be my friends. But that's because probably that's because these are the people I grew up with. So, because when you live 
in different countries, in different cultures, I find that the people can really relate to are people I grew up with because we share the same childhood and the same experiences. So, you know, I called them home. So, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And I can't wait to go back. And, I mean, I'm even thinking, because, like I said, before the planet is, is, well, is, is ready to welcome me, maybe Europe is going to be ready to welcome travelers sooner than other continents. So maybe I'm going to go and circle around Europe and, you know, and see what's going on. But first, I need to, you know, cross Canada again. And then from there, Lord knows what will happen. Yeah. So actually, my last question was, which one are the plans for the future? But seems like actually you expose it a lot. And then I wanted to ask you another last question. And even if I don't like at all categorization, but I truly believe that is a really good way uh, defining and self-expressing ourselves with a definition about ourselves. I would love to ask you, can you define Jabig as a cyclist and as a musician and as a DJ? How would you define Jabig? as in these two different fields? Well, I would actually describe myself in one, you know, sentence by saying, you know, I'm a DJ that really loves bicycles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought something a bit more like deep and dope, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that would be a little bit corny, but, you know, whatever. You know, it's, I mean, I'm just a guy who happens to be, a DJ and who happens to love cycling, you know, and that's as simple as it is, you know, no need to get like all philosophical about it. You know, I find that it's the simple things that make us happy and I love music and I love being out on a bicycle and I, I'm so blessed that I can combine the two. So why not do it? That's great. That's great. Thanks a lot, Dan Jabig, for this talk. And maybe you can leave here uh, at the end of this podcast, at the wrap of this podcast, where people and where everybody who is listening to, to your voice right now can find yourself, your, mu your music, your trips, your video, whatever. All right. So to get, um, first of all, to get in touch with me, it's very easy. My email address is very easy. It's uh, jabig at jabig.com. Uh, Jabig is J-A-B-I-G, or you can just Google Jabig, and then that's it. And then to, to follow my adventures, I'm on Instagram, you know, it's uh, at Jabig. And then to listen to my music, just go on YouTube and look for Jabig. Simple that's as that. <laughs> so, and if it's too much to remember, just go into Google and type Jabig, and you'll find me. I'm out there, you know, I'm, I'm out there. Well, um... I have just to say, really, thanks a lot for the amazing words. Thanks a lot for the inspiration. Thanks a lot for your simplicity that is really contagious as you are. And even if it's not a good word to say, probably in this period, but you know what I meant, right? It's something like, <laughs> yes, <I'm, laughs> I think that's yeah. something like it's good to listen to your voice, inspiring, and also saying that actually simplicity is the best, just being out and do what fits you and what you like to do, and everything is easy like it is. Thanks a lot for that. And I really hope that when you are coming back to Europe, uh, we can ride the bike together this time because last time that you were here, I was not in Zurich and around Switzerland where you were here. But I truly believe that next time that you are here, I would love actually to meet you in person and have another chat and maybe a good ride. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of uh, people. I mean, for some weird reason, a lot of people in Switzerland were so disappointed that my, I, I went in there so fast. So one of the trip, 
I mean, next time I come, I'm going to come in summer and we're going to organize uh, actually some rides across the country. Mm -hmm. So, yes, so I look forward to meeting you then. This would be great. Thanks a lot for your time. It was really great pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> ciao, Jabig. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks, Jabig, for the amazing words and for the amazing inspiration. And, uh, yeah, I really like, actually, when you said, I'm just a guy who loves music and who loves riding his bike. It's about passion. It's everything about the hearts that you're putting in the things that you do and the passion that you're putting in the things that you do to make you. It's not the success in itself, but it's just the message that you are giving to people and the good vibes that they're giving to them. You can understand it from all the times that he talks about how cares about people, how good is for him to meet new persons and how many friends yes around the world and that's super amazing so finger crossed hopefully you're gonna start again your trip and your travel around the world we're gonna be there following you uh, by the way small brackets is everything written down below all the contacts uh, that is contacts actually that Jabik uh, just spread around during this episode so yeah just maybe the Instagram account, I just want to remember just because we are here. And just if you go on Instagram and you look for Jabig, you're going to find him there. And all the inspiration, all the good stories that he's spreading around in this period. Thanks a lot for listening also to this episode. This is another really good one and it's another really long one. And I hope that you enjoyed and you arrived here till the end. I just want to say thank you for listening. And if you can, please share, rate and subscribe. So in this way, I can really climb a bit the charts and you can give me support and I'll ask you for money, but just for this kind of support so that many other people are going to listen to that and many other people would love to spread a bit their story and to share the story with me and we all of you out there thanks to open for the amazing support and uh, not only to me actually I have to say but also to these amazing people that sometimes you're listening into this podcast and nothing else that have a look here in the description you're gonna find as well my kind of bi-weekly diary that it became and then talking about my newsletter and all the contests that you can find around for now thanks a lot for tomorrow i will talk to you soon